0: Um, no, I'm not starting a cool new format. Um, I am uh, <laughs> I am in need of medical care. <laughs> um, sorry for uh, using a chair, but uh, that, that happens sometimes when we get older, and I've got a knee thing that I'm dealing with, so bear with me. Can you do that? Will you, will you give me some grace? So I don't, no, no, hey, let's not stop that. Stop that. No. I don't need your sympathy. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's a lot of weird Christmas traditions in the world. Weird Christmas traditions. Um, In uh, Austria, there's something called Krampus. Uh, Half goat, half demon that wanders the streets and knocks on people's doors. Now, you want to talk about Uh, a kid needing counseling, Um, open that up on Christmas, open your door up on Christmas Eve uh, to a half goat, half demon. Um, Spain, I do not understand this, and I'm not going to, you know, go into it other than to mention there is a tradition in Spain called the pooping log, (laughs) enough said, let's just move on. There, there, in Iceland, there are the Yule Lads, which are 13 mischievous trolls causing havoc. Um, in Wales, um, you might hear on Christmas a knock on your door and open the door and you see um, the, the skull of a horse um, that is a part of a costume that someone might have on. Um, that would that would scare you. Um, this one is unusual because it seems to mix cultures, but in Japan, somehow Kentucky Fried Chicken has become the Christmas tradition in Japan. So on Christmas Day, KFC is just just uh, just full on 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 Christmas. Um, Don't understand that. I love chicken, but um, don't understand that. Then in Italy, there's something called La Befana, where a witch comes down the chimney on a broomstick. Um, and one of the, the, another really interesting one that I, I, I cannot seem to comprehend is in Mexico, they have, you, you've heard of, you know, there's all sorts of things in, in you know, in the Mexican tradition that, that we've kind of adopted here, but we have not adopted this one yet. It's called Night of the Radishes. Um, that is a Christmas tradition in Mexico. Uh, I'm glad that we don't have any weird customs surrounding Christmas here in in our country. Uh, at least I thought that until I was online and looking at wayfair.com and realized that upside-down Christmas trees are a thing. Have you seen this? Hundreds, hundreds, I mean, there's dozens of, of different styles of Christmas trees fake ones, and they are upside down. There's they, they a way to stand them up upside down in your house. And the whole point is they're, they're supposed to save you room around the bottom of the tree. Because you're, the wide part of the tree, it takes up so much of the room, and then you put the, the presents under there, and then there's not enough room in the living room, so they they flipped them upside down. And um, it gives you more, more space for presents. And then I did a little more... Uh, investigating and according to Christianity today the inverted Christmas tree is there's nothing new to that in fact it dates back uh, further than the 12th century um, and Christians would hang fir trees upside down in their homes at Christmas time as a way to remind them of of the Trinity because of the shape of the tree being a triangle, three sides uh, reminding them of the Trinity. So there's there, there are some uh, unusual things when it comes to Christmas, um, and sometimes Christmas can get turned upside down in our lives. The first thing I want to touch on today from uh, the scripture that uh, that we've been just really digging into a bunch of different scriptures that are related to the Christmas story. And some of you really know what I mean, that, that having a baby can really uh, turn your life upside down. Okay, uh, I see heads that are shaking. I'm one of those kids that I made my mom go in the hospital Christmas uh, night Um, so that she would be ready to give birth to me the day after. So I kind of wrecked that Christmas a little bit. Um, But in Luke chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we read about a couple. Their names are Zachariah and Elizabeth. And it says in chapter 1, verse 6 of Luke, it said, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were praying for a son. And there's a reason why they were praying for a son. Because in their culture, you were considered cursed if you did not have children and particularly a son. In fact... It was a mark of divine, God's divine displeasure in your life. In fact, it was considered a punishment for some sin in your life or in your family. Remember when Jesus and his disciples came on the blind man and the disciples asked the question, whose sin was it that caused his blindness? Is it his sin or the sin of his parents? This was a common uh, theology in Jesus' day that the sin, that there, sin in the family would cause something like this. And this particular thing of being childless was considered a punishment for sin. And, and with Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were facing a double obstacle. One was they were naturally barren and number two, they were now beyond the age where they would be able to have children. But the scripture says that God heard their prayer, and he sent the angel Gabriel. Now, this particular season was a busy season for Gabriel. We don't read a lot about him in scripture, but during this season, we read about him several times. But God hears their prayers, he sends Gabriel, and he's, and Gabriel says to Zechariah, he said, your wife is pregnant and she is going to bear a son, and you're going to call him John. You're going to call, and I'm going to, I'm going to tie these together in just a moment, okay? So if you think I'm on the wrong scripture this morning, it's okay. And in fact, The angel Gabriel said that your son is going to have a huge spiritual impact on the nation of Israel. Well, six months later, six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, that angel Gabriel then appears to Elizabeth's cousin, Mary. And what does he say to Mary? He announces that she is also pregnant. And that she's going to give birth, and she will give birth to a son, and that his name will be called Jesus, and he will be the Messiah, because he's going to save his people from their sins. Look at Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, Elizabeth is going through the greatest event in her life. She is six months pregnant. She is an old lady. We don't have her age, but she's old. In fact, she's so old that it is seen that she cannot have a child any longer. Despite the fact that she has been barren, she's just now too old to have children. And she is now pregnant, six months pregnant. This is a huge thing because the curse that has been upon my life of barrenness has been lifted. God's displeasure or his apparent displeasure has been erased. And Mary shows up. Now, why do you think Mary showed up at Elizabeth's? My guess is that it was just something that families did. You showed up and you helped take care of the fly that's... I think I... Nope, I didn't get him. I thought I did. He's all over me. (laughs) Wow. What a day. I'm sure the fly's never going to leave me. I shower, I promise. So she came to help. um, And now one of the first things that happens when she arrives is it becomes known that Mary is pregnant. I want you to envision this happening in your family, okay? Biggest event, biggest event in in Elizabeth's life, and Mary shows up, and wouldn't you know it, she's pregnant with the Messiah. Talk about one-upmanship. Just, come on, we can't can't announce things on Facebook, all right, when we want to because of what somebody else in the family is going to think because... They just had something that they announced. Certainly, you can't you can't do it. You 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 can't do something earlier than 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 a, a you know a relative. Um, we, I, in fact, I I remember when we were in in college and people would get married. And if you you know if you had a spouse that was getting married, you can't. Hey, I got engaged first. You can't then set your your wedding date for you know ahead of ours because we were. You, know, you guys see what I'm saying? It, it's, a, it's a pettiness that happens between, between family members, especially with, with uh, uh, brothers and sisters, but, but family members. So Elizabeth is having this incredible um, news in her life, and now all of a sudden, Mary has one-upped her, and Elizabeth had every excuse to be upside down. She had every excuse to be upside down. She knew that Mary was pregnant with the Christ, but no one told her. There was no angelic visitation. There was no revelation that that said, hey, this is happening. No No one filled her in. She just knew. In fact, the baby in her womb, John, also knew and responded. Sometimes things can get upside down in our lives. Elizabeth, it could have, the, the, whole, the whole birth of Jesus could have put her in an upside down place. Do you trust everything that you see? I don't know if you realize it, but your eyes do not see what you think they see. I don't know if you know this, but your eyes actually see me upside down. Your eyes, Carla, as good as your eyes are now, your eyes see me upside down. Your brain actually interprets that image and flips it right side up. It is so easy for us in these crazy times to get things turned upside down. Imagine someone like Elizabeth, the the incredible events that that are happening in her life. She could have gotten upside down and got it all backwards and thought, hey, wait a minute, it's supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about my baby. It's supposed to be about my pregnancy instead of about the Messiah. But Elizabeth understood that. And she did not allow herself to get upside down. And some of us have chaos in our lives. And we tend to want to allow ourselves to get upside down. And see life in the midst of this chaos as being about something else other than Jesus' birth. Let's talk about the hometown upside down. Jesus' hometown, a place called Nazareth. They had a chance to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Nazareth didn't understand what Elizabeth somehow knew and understood immediately. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 56. It says that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So for the next six months, the second and third trimester of Mary's pregnancy, she was back in Nazareth before she and Joseph left for Bethlehem. Does that make sense? So for six months, she was in her hometown. Joseph, Mary, and and Mary's baby, which was still obviously growing inside of her. Can you imagine the rumors in that little town of Nazareth, the town of 400 people some of you have lived through things like that in small towns when everybody knew your business even though you didn't want them to everybody knew that mary had got herself pregnant i I you can just hear the whispers mary got herself pregnant joseph is gonna marry her so obviously it's it's joseph's baby Did you hear that she actually is sticking to her story that she's a virgin? She's still a virgin. Guys, this was talked about. This was something that would have been the scuttlebutt of the community. They didn't have social media, but they had a way to spread news. And believe me, it was a big topic of conversation. They would have also been familiar with Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah said in chapter seven, verse fourteen: "Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel." So, the idea of a virgin being born, or a virgin giving birth to a child is something that they would have been aware of in the scriptures that would have been prophesied 750 years earlier. The problem is that you and I, something that said 750 years ago, we really don't think very much about. But they did. They had people that thought about it all the time. We talked about that. The priests. They kept track of those things. They talked about those things. So when they thought of Isaiah's prophecy, they had to make a determination. And they said to themselves, surely the prophet Isaiah is not talking about Mary. So then the couple goes to Bethlehem just before the baby's born for almost two months. Luke chapter 2, verses 39 and 40, it says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Then the angel of God, the Scripture tells us, warned Joseph in a dream that there was danger, that Herod was going to try to kill the child. We read about it in Matthew chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and it says, So he got up, meaning Joseph, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he had stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. People would have understood these things. They would have remembered these things. They would have talked about these things. So after Herod is dead, they return home again. They return to Nazareth. The prophecy of Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 had been fulfilled that God called his son, the Messiah, out of Egypt. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 23 we read this, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This is now Joseph and his little family. So was fulfilled that Uh, what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Interestingly, we don't see anything in the Old Testament where there is a prophecy specifically about the Messiah being called a Nazarene. But we do see numerous times where the Messiah is called despised and rejected. In fact, Isaiah 53 in verse 3, it says the Messiah will be despised and rejected of men. The city of Nazareth was a despised city. It was a rejected city. It was a city with a bad reputation. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to speak at a memorial service for the UP Health and Hospice, and while I was there, I had the opportunity to speak with a a Jewish doctor that works with their their program. And I had met him over 20 years ago, but hadn't had any conversations with him for many, many years. And we were talking about what's happening in Israel right now. This man is not a born-again believer. He is a practicing Jew. And he said to me, we need the Messiah. We need the Messiah. The Jews are still looking. They are still waiting for the Messiah. And like Nazareth, they've got it upside down. Nazareth had all of the, all of the Old Testament prophecies. They had all of the information that they needed, but they had it upside down. And then the hometown hero was rejected. Look at Mark chapter 6. We're expanding out a little bit from the Christmas story here, but Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. So he's gone to Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are those remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So the people in Nazareth, they recognized his wisdom. They recognized the miracles that he did. And notice how they talked about him. Isn't this the carpenter? They didn't even call him Jesus. Isn't this a carpenter? What do you think that really meant? That was they were alluding to the fact that they knew who his dad was, because Joseph was known as a carpenter. So they're they're making an allusion to the fact they're alluding to the fact that the Messiah is he cannot have a father. He cannot have an earthly father because otherwise he's just like everybody else. And so they're drawing that connection between Jesus and Joseph. They said, You know, we know his mother Mary. She's that girl that had the bad reputation so many years ago. In fact, we went to school with all his brothers. In fact, my brother graduated with his brother. I, we, we knew those. You remember some of those things that we did together when we were in high school growing up? They did that. They, they did that right along with us. In fact, you know what? We dated his sisters. We dated his sisters. We know. Who, in fact, my buddy married one of his sisters. We know who this guy really is. And it says they were offended. Offended. They were offended. They took it personally. They recognized the miracles that he did. They mentioned some of them. They they recognize the power of his ministry. And yet they are offended. There's an old saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt. Jesus mentioned an old common proverb that a prophet has no honor in his own country, his own house, his own family. They simply refused to believe that Jesus could be the Messiah. Have you ever refused to believe something? Even when deep down you know it's right. Sometimes we just will not give up the fight. We, we just, you know what? I'm not going to believe it. And we get upside down. I remember back in 2008, home prices plummeted. Do you remember that? 33% according to the Washington Post, home prices went down that year. The housing market bubble burst, they told us. So, let's just say that you had purchased your home. We'll just use round numbers. You purchased your home for $100,000. And you put 20% down on your home. And after the bubble burst, your house, which was worth $100,000, is now worth $67,000. And you get a transfer and you have to sell your house and move to another community so you put your house on the market but instead of putting it on the market for 100,000 the agent says well it's worth 67,000 but you owe 80 on it you are upside down you're upside down Jesus was famous in Galilee He was famous in Judea and Israel. He healed the lame. He turned the water into wine. He did something that the Bible said only the Messiah would do. He healed the blind. He raised the dead. Raised the dead. He fed thousands. He healed lepers. He should have been a hometown hero in Nazareth. Do you know anything about hometown heroes? If you're a football uh, fan like Carl is, you know you watch a game. Monday night, the Packers played the Giants, and uh, third-string quarterback for the Giants was the starter. He grew up a few blocks from the stadium. Still lives with his mother. He does his laundry. I'm talking about a 25-year-old guy making several million dollars a year. And his name is Tommy DeVito. An undrafted free agent. He's now, I think they've won three or four four or five straight with this guy. He had a hundred. 100 people from his family in the stands that night on that Monday night game against the Packers. And they were jumping up and down, and they were all doing this Italian thing, okay? They were going crazy. They were, I mean, everybody wants to claim this guy because he's a hometown hero. He grew up blocks away from the stadium. He's a Jersey guy. They might be called the New York Giants, but the stadium's in, in Jersey. He's a Jersey guy. When there's a hometown hero, everybody wants a piece of them. And in Nazareth, nobody wanted a piece of Jesus because he was despised and rejected by men. They knew who he was, they knew his past, they knew who his parents were, they knew that we would have called it that they were married out of wedlock. They knew that his dad was a carpenter. They knew his brothers and sisters. And they rejected him. Everything was upside down. Because everything else that they saw, they could see that he was the Messiah, and yet they rejected him. As we get closer to Christmas, and we're, we're a week away, maybe things feel really upside down in your world right now. Maybe as you look at Christmas, it doesn't make sense to you. Friends, the essence of the Christmas season is Jesus, the Messiah. We say all the time, Jesus is the reason for the season. Without Jesus, without the Messiah, there is no Christmas. I'm going to have the worship team come and we're going to close the service. Would you stand with me? Or would you stand while I stay seated? I don't know how long it's going to take me to stand up after the service. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these folks that are gathered here today. I thank you for they're, they're, they're just they're lovely people. But God, I would be silly to think that somebody in this room doesn't feel like life is upside down right now and god they 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 want things to be right side up, but they just. They just haven't been able to believe it. And right now your Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And your Holy Spirit is doing something in their heart. It might feel like a little bit of an agitation. It might feel like that fly that was buzzing around my face earlier. Just enough to bother you. But it's telling you something.